Hello, friends, and welcome to the Coastline Baptist Church podcast. We hope this message will equip, encourage, and edify you in your journey of life. We'd love to connect with you. Please email us at info at coastlinecc.org. And for more information about our church and our services, visit coastlinecc.org. Now let's open our hearts and open God's Word. So my family and I moved up to Brewster um, about a month and a half ago, and uh, God, obviously, if you've been here long enough, or if you've heard me talk for more than five minutes, I'll probably told you the story about God providing a house for us out in Brewster when we were kind of without a place to live. We were in winter rentals, and, and the winter was almost done. But either way, um, now that we're out in Brewster, it's a little bit more of a drive than West Yarmouth, two minutes away. Um, so I drive the kids to school. They're still at the dentist Yarmouth schools for now, since we're finishing off the year and things like that. And I was driving um, up Airline Road, out um, coming into Dennis, and getting ready to get in the highway, and I passed by this giant house. Um, beautiful. There's a lot of big houses, especially on 6A. If, if you're visiting, find Route 6A and drive it from, from Barnstable all the way. You know, it, really, you pass my street on 6A. It's a gorgeous drive. A lot of big houses. And as I was driving by one of these big houses, um, I saw something that kind of was funny to me at first, and then the Lord began to use it kind of kind of an illustration kind of way. At this big, beautiful house, three-car garage, two stories, beautiful landscaping, out parked out front on a regular weekday morning was a pest control vehicle. And I was like, you know, isn't it funny that even in the nicest, biggest, most expensive houses, guess what they still have? Pests. Some of them still have termites or whatever else you want to think of for pests. And I thought, even in those nice big houses, they're not perfect. They're still flawed. Why is it that oftentimes the largest houses with the most stuff in them also hold sometimes the biggest arguments and fights? Why is it that even though our cupboards might be full of food, we still groan when we run out of that one thing? I've been there on a weekday morning. I just want to have a bowl of Fruity Pebbles. That's all I want to do. That's going to make my day better. I want fruity, I want fruity pebbles. They're good for you, okay? It says it on the box. And I open the thing, and there is no milk left. And in that moment, oh boy, do I need the grace of God. Because I'm, I'm getting ready to get upset. Our cupboards are full. And we're still like, oh man, we ran out of this or that. Why is it easier to find something to criticize about your church or your pastor than to find something to appreciate. It's natural for us, isn't it? Why is it that no matter how much money is in our bank accounts, we still long for more, don't we? And we stress out when there doesn't seem to be enough. Why is that? And the answer to these questions, and many more just like it, is simply this. It is more natural for us to be discontent with our lives than to be content. Let me say that again. I want you to listen. Don't deny it in your hearts today. Listen, on messages like this, our inner lawyers get to work, right? We're like, no, that's not true. It is more natural for us as humans, as born sinners, it is more natural for us to be discontent with our lives than to be content. It is easier for us to pick apart our spouse fault by fault, weakness by weakness, instead of focusing on strengths and victories. It's just easier to do that, to get frustrated and to pick it apart. It's more common to fret about the lack of money in our bank accounts than rejoice for what's already in there. It's more likely that we will grumble about the one thing in the house that needs to be fixed than remember that that rest of the house that is in good working order. See what I'm trying to get at this morning, church? First Thessalonians 5, 7, uh, 5.18 says this, In everything... 
Give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. In everything, give thanks. By the way, it doesn't say for everything, but in everything, give thanks. The next level living topic that we're talking about today is next level contentment. Next level contentment. I'm always trying to work on this with my kids. Because I've obviously got to figure it out, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Okay. But I'm, I am. As a dad, I'm trying to, I, I want to teach my kids. It's not up to the school systems or the church to teach my kids how to, how to, how to live and, and how to act. It's my job, right, as a dad and as, as parents. So I'm always trying to work on contentment and teaching them, not just being like, you better be, th-, but like, here's why you should be thankful. Here's why you should be content, because this, 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 and not just why, but explain to them, hey, here's why you should be content. And then if they don't listen, then I say, no, nah. I'm just kidding, I don't do that. But I'm always trying to work on this with my kids. Being grateful for what they have instead of focusing on what they don't have. Back in 2020, my son Charlie, he's eight now. I cannot believe this as I was studying this message. But he had turned five. It was his fifth birthday. Everything was under lockdown. He wasn't going to school. He couldn't have a birthday party, all that fun stuff. And this is Charlie on his fifth birthday, okay? This is at the house, the old house we lived at. There's a stack of uh, birthday pancakes. They were like confetti pancakes, whipped creams. He had his little Boston Celtics jersey on there. By the way, sad that they didn't make it. Right, Mercy? My goodness, that was brutal. Horrible. Anyways, moving on, okay? Okay? Uh, boo the heat, okay? Go Nuggets, okay? Anyways, so fifth birthday, he's there. He's excited. It's just our family, and we're getting ready to give him some presents, and we had, like, streamers up. You can kind of see the balloons in the background, and he was so excited, turning five. Now, I have four boys. I have my oldest, Donald Jr. He's going to be 12 in June. I have Seth, our son, uh, our nonverbal autistic son. Seth, he's 10 years old. And uh, he's awesome. And then we have Charlie, who's eight now. Cannot believe that he's eight now, right, Shane? It's insane. He's eight now. And then we have our youngest, our baby, our surprise, okay? Brady. Brady. And you may say, did you name your son after Tom Brady, the greatest quarterback that ever lived? And if you think that I'm that shallow, I am, okay? So... (laughs) So Brady's there, too, and, and we're all like, happy birthday, and we're singing to Charlie, and he's excited. And I look over at Brady, and this is Brady, okay? <laughs> Does Brady look thrilled? No. I said, Brady, your birthday's not till October, homie, okay? It's his birthday. Let's celebrate. We have to be happy. Can you please smile for your brother's birthday, okay? So Brady tries his best. <laughs> he tries his best to kind of force that smile out right here. There's another one. And I'm telling you, I was dying. I said, this kid is really trying to be content, but it's not natural for him, is it? And guess what? It ain't natural for us either. We can laugh and say, oh my goodness, he just... And we do the same stinking thing. We really do. Next level contentment. Every time Charlie would, at that time... He'd open a gift, and innocently, after he'd open like five gifts from people, he'd be like, did you get me anything else? <laughs> and we'd be like, at first we'd get frustrated and be like, you spoiled, I'd be like, in my mind, you brat, you spoiled brat, don't you see all the things you've already gotten? And then you got Brady there that's on this, you know, not content, it's not his birthday. And then as I'm thinking those thoughts of like, how, I can't believe this kid, God would just kind of nudge me, the Holy Spirit would nudge me and be like, doesn't that look familiar, Donald? Because in my life so often, and in your life so often, That's us. That's me. Even though, church, even though I am surrounded by the blessings of God, even though I am engulfed in the overwhelming benefits from my Savior, even though I'm buried in the mercy and goodness of God, we sing that song, your goodness is running after me. 
Even with all that, I often live discontented. And you often live, sorry, discontented. I often wonder why I don't have what he has. I struggle with that. I'll be, I'll be, I love being brutally honest about myself. So you don't think I'm some guy that thinks I'm a hotshot, perfect pastor. No, 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 no. When I was looking for a house and we were stuck in those winter rentals, I would drive my son. He goes out to uh, Osterville Baptist Church's youth group on Wednesday nights, and I got to drive these back roads out to OBC. And uh, man, we drive by the biggest houses right on the water. And I'll tell you, one of them has like its own lighthouse. Like, come on, bro. Like, your own lighthouse? You really need that, man? And, but you know what would happen? Ooh, covetousness would really slip in. And I'd be like, must be nice, I don't know. Must be nice to have one of those. Must be nice to have your own lighthouse. And I would live that. And, I, and the spirit would be like, hey, bro, come on, man. Chill, Donald. And I'd be like, okay, yeah, it's true. I often wish my situation was easier, was different. I often dream of a more comfortable financial state. I crave greater success for the church for coastline, instead of relishing in the beautiful fact that I get to serve the king as a pastor. And instead, I'm like, I wish we had more people today. I wish our offerings were bigger. I wish that, and I, I get into that funk. I often hunger for the day that my autistic son, Seth, will communicate more instead of enjoying each moment that I have with him now. The truth is, I have absolutely no reason at all whatsoever to live discontented, but I often do. And so do you. So what's the pattern? What's, how do we get into that point of discontentment? How do we get to that? that what's the pathway to discontentment? I think, first off, we, we lose focus. We lose focus. We take our eyes off what really matters, which is Jesus and we focus on this earthly home. There's a great old song. I grew up in independent Baptist churches. Um, and I was in Michigan, and then I was in... And uh, we would sing this great song, this fun song, kind of like a southern-type song called this, this World is Not My Home. I'm just a passing through. This world is not... I, love, I mean, it's just such a fun song. I love playing it and plucking away like I'm from Kentucky. Um, but that's what we do, don't we? We can sing that song, or you may... But, but we lose focus. We do focus on this earthly home. What did Paul write? In Philippians 4, and verse 10, we see Paul write some things. Paul, the apostle Paul, who wrote much of the New Testament, says this in verse 10, I rejoiced, but I rejoiced in the Lord greatly. He's writing to the church at Philippi here. That now at the last, your care of me hath flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. And what he's saying to the church here is, he's, like, he's, he's praising the Lord that, that this church at Philippi is concerned about him, that they care about him. And he says, I know you've always been concerned about me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. That's what he's telling them. And then verse 11, he says, not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. And he said, you're concerned about me. You've always been concerned about me. You didn't have the chance to help. But then he goes to say, but not that I was really ever in real need, because I've learned that wherever I'm at, whatever I'm doing, I'm going to be content. Paul wrote this letter to the church at Philippi from jail. Can you imagine that? He's in the jail cell writing, hey, I've learned wherever I'm at to be content. In verse 12, he says, I know both how to be abased, I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Paul, Paul's life was amazing. 
It was so cool. He, he had times of affluence and prosperity, and then he had times in the cell, in jail. He knew it. He knew how to live on almost nothing or with everything. He, he learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it was with a full stomach or with an empty stomach, with plenty to eat or with little, with plenty of whatever and little of nothing. And what was his secret? Verse 13, we like throwing this scripture around whenever we want to win a sports game. But what is Paul saying? How can he always be content? Because I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. That is how we can be content in whatever circumstances, in whatever trial, in whatever problem, no matter if there's none in the bank account or a bunch. I can because it's Christ who gives me strength and grace to live content. Paul's secret, what did he say at the beginning of this book or this letter? For me to live is Christ. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. I get to be with him. It's all about Jesus. When your focus is solely, uh, wholly on Jesus, your king, you realize that no matter what is going on in life, no matter what you have or don't have, you have enough in him. Jehovah Jireh, he is the God who supplies. He is the God who is enough. We, we, we lose focus. What else do we do? What's the next path? We lose focus. We forget. We forget. We forget what? We forget what we've already been given. Our focus shifts from Christ and his blessings to our little kingdoms of one. Not the kingdom, the Father's kingdom, but our little kingdoms of one and all that we're missing out on and all that I don't have. And as that continues, we begin to forget what God has given us. We walk around grumpy, discontent, while we literally have the Spirit of God living in us. That's a convicting thought for me. To think, I have the Spirit of God in me as a believer, as a child of God, and I walk around grumpy and discontent with the way things are. We go through life searching for security and meaning in this created world, choosing to forget that Jesus suffered and died for me so that we could have meaning and purpose in life and life more abundantly in Him, not in what's here on earth. No, we forget also that every situation in our life, out of our control, is under the sovereign hand of Almighty God. He's in control. So when I complain about my situation and the way things are, I'm telling God that he got it wrong. How could you do this to me? I'm telling God that he should know better. I'm telling God that I, that I know better. What in your life, church, do you wish was different? Do you wish your loved one didn't pass? Do you wish you had a better job? Do you desire a better diagnosis for your health? Listen, there's a balance between wondering and trusting, by the way. We are incapable because of our fallen nature, to rejoice completely in the death of a loved one, knowing that there is a, they're in heaven. It's okay to miss people. I'm not, saying, I'm not trying to be uh, rude here or, or callous. I'm not saying that at all. It's okay to miss people. It's normal to think about getting a better job. But when those things control our spirit, when they rule over our actions, and our focus is only on what could have been or what should have been, we are in danger of living discontented. In letting those challenges, heartaches, whatever you want to call it, bring us down, we miss out, church, on the incredible lessons that God wants to teach us in the midst of those challenges and trials. We miss out on the beautiful presence we feel when we rest in Him completely. The children of Israel did it. 
God's chosen people in the Old Testament did it. They got to the point of not just complaining about their difficult situation, and they were in some pretty difficult situations, enslaved. But even when they got their freedom, when they left Egypt, when they crossed the Red Sea and saw the miracles, they didn't just complain about their difficult situation in their journeying, but they got to, to the point of complaining about the direct blessings of God. Remember when they were hungry, and what did God do? God, the scriptures say, dropped what they call manna from heaven, like bread from heaven that fell to the earth and they could eat so they didn't die. They started complaining. They got sick of that. And they, they got tired of the miracle. They forgot all that God had done. And we see it all through the Old Testament, how they worship him. And then they worship the idols. And then they go back to him. And over and over, they even were complaining about the direct blessings, miracles of God. And before we go pointing fingers, before I say, I cannot believe that they did that, remember that we live there so often. We complain about our lives. We complain about uh, what's going on. All that's governed by the sovereign hand of a holy God. God provided us a house in Brewster in a miraculous way. At the last, well, not the, it felt like the last second. God, it was all in his timing. But we had nowhere to go. Uh, the market is not that great. I make the joke about everybody moving up here. Good luck affording it. It's just impossible, my goodness. And we couldn't find anything. Nothing was working out. Things were falling through. Doors kept closing. And I, I, I got to the point of saying, Lord, do you want us to move? Uh, are you done with me on the Cape? Like, uh, what's going on? I didn't know. Because I'm like, Lord, we have to live somewhere. And we literally have to leave this winter rental because winter is over. Like, what are we supposed to do? And God provided in a miraculous, beautiful way, this great house in Brewster that fits our family. We got a big family. We have a son with autism. We need some space. We need some, some level of privacy as well. And you know what's amazing? That even though that God provided that house about a month and a half ago, about two months ago now, I was, I was preparing the sermon. I thought, man, I have. There have been times I've been like, I wish this house had this. Oh, I can't believe this house this. Oh, man, I wish the house did, didn't have this. And I'm complaining I'm discontent about the miracle that God gave me. We grumble about our church, our pastor, and it's great. We have so many guests here, so it's not like our church thinks I'm talking about them. We grumble about our churches and our pastor, our families that are all gifts from God himself. James 1, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. He does not change. We complain and grumble about the gifts given from God, when we focus on what we don't have, we forget about what we do have. When we focus on what we don't have, we forget about what we already do have. And the last thing is, after we lose focus, we forget about all we have, we, we fall. We fall into discontentment. And there it is. We walk around with unhappy, dissatisfied, critical, jealous attitudes. And it becomes so natural to us, and we become so callous to that, that it doesn't feel wrong almost. Isn't that a dangerous place to be when we're sinning and we don't even realize it? When we're living in sin, in, in covetousness, or jealousy, or bitterness, or unforgiveness, or just discontentment, and we don't even see it. And if someone tries to bring it to our attention, we're like, how dare you? No, I'm not. No, we walk around with those attitudes. And this is something that we daily face, church. Daily. A battle that we often don't even realize that we're in. This battle of contentment and discontentment. 
So what can we do, though? What can we do? Thanks for all the information, Donald. That's great. I'm a discontented jerk. That's really, I'm so glad I chose to come to Coastline on my vacation. I'm ready to have a great week. No, no, there is more, I promise. What can we do, though? Because I don't want you to live there. I sure don't want to live there. What can we do? We can focus on Christ. Church, we can focus on our living hope. We can focus on what he's done. We can remember what God has already done. We, 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 we have to be church. We have to be intentional about it. If you think that naturally you're just going to live content, you're wrong. We live in a broken world. We're fallen people. We're broken people. We sin. We're not perfect. We have to be intentional about it. When we feel ourselves beginning to get a little discontent, I had, I've had so many times driving my kid to youth group out in Osterville, and I'd see those big houses, and I'd start to go, ooh, must be nice. I would say, no, Donald, stop. The Spirit would speak. I'd be like, Donald, shut up, man. Like, how can you, what are you doing? They probably worked really hard for that house, to be honest. Okay, you're 33 years old. 33? 33 years old, yes. Wow, I'm getting old, right? And, um, I had, to, I had to be intentional and say, no, God's doing something in you. He's doing something in your family. He's doing something in your church. Hey, these hardships that you face with housing, Donald, God, is saying, God was saying to me, like, I, I, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm making you better. I'm making you stronger. I, I'm giving you, I'm pouring out grace on you. Look at what I've done for you, Donald. Look at how, how you've survived. You've never gone hungry. You never had the lights turned off on you, on the cape. <laughs> I had them before. <laughs> When I, in other hard times, but now he, he's, I provided for you, Donald. And I said, yeah, 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 I have to be intentional. We have to be intentional about it, church. If we're not, we just won't be. We'll live discontented and be okay with it. When you feel your heart beginning to become discontent, choose to focus on what God has done. Intentionally focus on the blessings of God in your life. But my life's terrible, Donald. My life's hard. I'm alone. I can't find work. I can't pay my bills. I fill in the blank. We could all do things like that and find all the things that aren't that great, that don't feel that great about our lives. But if we stop and intentionally focus on what God has done, guess what? You walked in here today, didn't you? You can hear me right now. You can see me. You're probably like, I don't want to hear you right now. I kind of wish I, you know. But you can hear me, right? Many of you are on vacation which is a blessing in and of itself, isn't it? That's a great thing. Our church family that's here, you're here. God provided a church for you. Gave you a halfway decent pastor, I think, right? No, no, think about it. We have to intentionally focus on what God has done and, and, and focus on the blessings of God in our lives. We have to look at all the situations of our lives, all of them, the ones we like, the ones we hate, and search for the lessons that God is trying to teach us. Search for the gifts that God is giving us and rest in the grace found in Jesus Christ. I can't honestly say, church, I, I can't honestly say that I am thankful that my son, Seth, has autism. I don't think I'm supposed to be thankful that he has so many struggles. But I can be grateful for what God has taught me on this journey. I can thank God for the unique relationship that I have with my son, Seth so different than my other boys. I love them all the same, but it's just a different. We are so close, and there's so much love there, and we've never had a conversation. That's God. That's God. I can thank God that through this journey for my wife and I of raising this son with autism and really discovering what autism even was however many years ago, six years ago, that we, we, we found out, not knowing a thing about it, being really freaked out and scared, I can thank God for the 
patience that he's graced us with, the more patience to where I feel like I used to be that guy in the store that if a kid was crying or whining, I'd be like, shut that kid up, please, my goodness. But now sometimes it's my kid doing that because he can't communicate, because he can't tell us what he wants. And now when I'm in a store and I hear a, a kid fussing or upset, I wonder if I can help. Maybe say a quick prayer for him. I, 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 can, I can be, yes, it's been a hard journey. It's been difficult. It's been scary. There's been a lot of unknown. There's been a lot of really bad days. But he's given us a heart for those people who walk the same journey, special needs. And he's given us opportunities to encourage others. For our visitors that are here, my son does ABA services, applied behavior analysis services to help him just grow and learn. It's a different type. And he has three days a week, he has therapy. They come to our house. And it's through Bright Steps is the name of the organization. And they've been awesome. They've been awesome. Actually, Seth's first therapist, she's not here today, but we met her. She came to our house. She came to church, got saved, got baptized. And uh, it's amazing. It's awesome. But Bright Steps, we, we, when you're with someone three days a week for three hours a day, you, you, you were like, we're not going to not talk to them. We're going to be close to them. They're like family. They really are. And they do so much for our son. So we said they were looking for a space to hold events because they were, they're a small business as well. And I said, well, listen, use our church. <laughs> you want to do a big Christmas party here? Do, it, do Use it here. You don't have to pay anything. And I remember this past Christmas, we had a huge Bright Steps Christmas party on a Saturday afternoon. I came with my son, Seth, as really a client, but also to unlock, <laughs> you know. And there was probably a dozen special needs families, probably 60, 70 people here, kids running around, Kids, you know, special needs and Down syndrome. And I, it was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. We had Santa Claus, you know, they had a special needs, you know, uh, uh, friendly kind of Santa Claus that would take time with them. It was so sweet. It was amazing. And I just got to talk to parents. And I wouldn't say, I'm the pastor of this here church. Thanks for, I'm so glad you're able to, I didn't do any of that. I just said, yeah, and I talked about their kids, talked about our kids, and then they'd be like, this place is really great. Do you know what it is? I'm like, this is, this, I think it's Coastline Baptist Church is what it's called. <laughs> no, no, I said, and they'd be like, oh, and I said, yeah, I, I'm, the, I'm the pastor. You're the pastor? And it just opened up. So we've done other events. They did a trunk retreat out in the parking lot that's safe away from the road, and God has used us. Think about the opportunity to show the love of Christ to one of the most forgotten people groups, the special needs community. Why do you think we have a sensory room over here? with the, the, the crash pads, because we have a heart for that because we live this journey. Last night, last night, as I was studying and getting this all finished up, Seth was, um, what did he do that ticked me off? <laughs> he did something. I think, yes, that's what it was. He was, he was, um, he was taking a bath and he was, he's so big. If you'll see him running around at the service. He's huge, 10 years old. 85 pounds. He's a little linebacker. I, I fear the day he's taller than me. It's coming real quick. And he was just, he was, we call it him losing back and forth like the ice, and he's just back in the, and I hear it splashing in the floor. I'm like, you know, just kind of walk in there, and I'm like, and I'm like, you need to stop this. And I drain this up. And then I get him up. Okay, come on, come on, we're doing this. Come on. And I'm just kind of, just kind of, and as I'm doing this, the Spirit of God's like, hey, what are you preaching on tomorrow? Who's one of your main illustrations tomorrow? Yeah. I don't think I'm supposed to be thankful for it, but I can rejoice in what God has done in my life through it. See, there's always a blessing hidden in your trials. There's always a blessing hidden in your trials. We often don't want to look for it because it's easier to just wish it was different. 
It's easy to be like, well, I just don't like it. But there's always blessing hidden in your trials. Next level contentment is not found in a written list of here's the things I have to do, and, or it's not found in a special book you can read and have all the answers. It's not found by working really hard. It's found in Jesus Christ and his grace alone. What does the scripture say about Jesus? Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. Listen, we can live lives of contentment because of the grace of Jesus Christ. So rest in that grace today. Lean on him today. Know that he is sovereign in all things. He's in control of your life. He's in control of your circumstances. So find contentment in him, church. Listen, it's, it's easy. It's so easy to just live lives of discontentment. It's, it's much easier to do that. I'm telling you, I've been there. I lived there so I, this past week, last night. It's easy to get in that flow of just, well, I don't feel good about this. This is not making me feel great. So I wish it was different when in reality, church, we need to just stop regain our focus okay look at regain our focus right what he did what he's doing now what he's going to do right listen oh so often I've taken I've taken my focus off the cross off Jesus to the pain and struggle that we inevitably face, that I, I have faced as a special needs dad, as a church planner, there's hard times. There's difficult days. But if, if I can keep my focus, knowing I'm called, he saved me. He gifted us with Seth. What a gift, what a gift. And I can rest in that grace. Oh, the contentment naturally comes. It comes. So find contentment in Him, church. Thank you again for listening to the Coastline Baptist Church podcast. We hope the message was an encouragement to your heart. Please connect with us through our website, coastlinecc.org, or on Facebook or Instagram. Send us a message, send us an email, and we'd love to connect with you. We'd also love if you could visit us for a Sunday morning service. You can find our address on our website, and our services start at 10 a.m. Our mission at Coastline is simply this, to know Jesus deeply and to show Jesus daily. I hope that we've helped you do that in your life today. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week.